small birds aren't much for eating. It's September 15, 2021. This is Rare Encounter, encounter number 62, and drinking the good coffee, I'm Abel Kirby. And bringing the news from Brookhaven, I'm Cold Acid. And we're back again, once more, <laughs> to bring you the latest news and stuff you can use or whatever we do on this show. Who knows? I'm back! I'm back in the house. Big as life and twice as ugly. <laughs> so uh, I heard you had some adventures over the last... Uh, couple uh days over the last week yeah. yeah actually the biggest adventure was the ride home mm. so re- i heard you on uh hog story call in with the report yeah. of something about insects hatching in the uh, spring and dying in the winter yeah i i was i was talking actually about the homeless situation in sudbury oh yeah. and that's why how compared to the bugs i have no idea how they actually survived the winter up there mm. well it, it's a shame because you mentioned that all the museums you were going to go to, they they all end up either being closed or something was wrong with them, you know? Yeah, the historic museums were all closed because they're still afraid of COVID. The uh, Science North, which is like this huge like science museum up there, was on different hours than what it was during the summer and was only open on weekends, so uh, that was no good. Yeah, that's good. Uh, Dynamic North, which is... Another, like, not science museum. It's run by Science North, but it's more of a rock and mine exhibit. Dynamics North. It's out of... It is closed for the season, apparently. So huh. I didn't get to go down and see, you know, see like, an old, uh, an old mine cave. And the rail museum in Capriol was also closed with no reason why. That's annoying. I, I love the rail museums. Of all those things, I think the rail museums are the best. Um, just because they've got the old hardware. You can't have a rail museum without, you know, the real rail cars. But you can have a mining museum with, you know, I don't know, some Dude, rocks. They and didn't some just old... have rail cars. They had, an, they, had an old, they had an old, like, station house. Okay. As well. Yeah. That's yeah. always fun. So there was, none of, there was none of this for me on, the, on this vacation. Oh, my God! Listen to that horn! Oh. There was a distinct lack of horn. I'm I'm sad to say. And so it left you horny for horn, and you didn't get any. <laughs> no, but I did get a toe on my, within 50 kilometers of home. Ugh, honk if you need a toe. No, so what? What's yeah, the so story again? You uh, you ramped off a dead tree and did a 360 and uh, a kickflip in your uh, rogue and landed in a ditch. Is that what happened? I wish that would have kicked ass. No, no, what happened was I made the mistake of trusting my map book and the GPS instead of my common sense and ended up going along what was marked as a road but was really a rutted dirt path. And I got caught on a rock in this rut that was deep enough that half half the vehicle was stuck in it as well to the point where i had to climb out of the vehicle either either climb through the driver's side window or climb my way to the far side and exit through the passenger door oh dear you know this is a this is yeah. a shame don't don't that cover, was, it was uh, an adventure i'll tell you don't we cover the the perils of gps navigation on rare encounter or something like that we probably have <laughs> and yet <laughs> and here yet. i am Oh man! Bravo! Glad you got out of that. Uh, glad you got out of that safe. But yeah, it it cost me it cost me about two hundred eighty dollars after tax ah, but, for the tow. I mean, what? Well, yeah, they, do they have AAA in Canada? They have CAA, which is essentially the same. But, but they dumbass that I am, I don't have CAA coverage. Oh, so I had to pay the full two hundred fifty dollars plus tax. For somebody to come out and pull me out of the rut. Yeah. Oh, well, you know, uh, what can you do? I, I've had AAA for a while, and I can say I've used it. It's it's nice to know you have. Like, if you start your car and it just doesn't start because you left a light on or something like that, you know, it's always nice to know you could call someone. So I'm not, I'm not affiliated Honestly, with AAA. Honestly, I, just... I should have had it. 
Because before before I got stuck in that rut, I had gassed up uh, because I had gotten down to fumes because uh -oh. of how because of how long the drive actually is from Sudbury down to the GTA. Jeez. So I was on fumes uh, coming around Lake Simcoe when I finally was able to gas up and filled my tank. And then, of course, what happens like 30 minutes later when I'm even closer to home? I done fucked up. What can I say? <laughs> well, speaking of fumes, I mean, we put out a lot of fumes on this show. And every once in a while, someone inhales too much of it. And they do something really stupid, like send us some uh, donation. And I heard something like that happen. This yeah, week. we actually got a we actually got a donation. It actually came in on the eighth while I was away. Uh huh. And we have an executive producer for this episode because it's too late now to go back in time and make an executive producer for last week's episode. Oh yeah. And that is none other than Boobery Boobs, who sent us a yep Boobs, who sent us a sweet thirty three forty two. Yeah. And he actually, he left us a note as well. He sent it as a DM on No Agenda Social. Yeah. And he says, just finished Kill the Kill for the first time. Definitely won't be a single time watch. <laughs> much boobs, much conspiracy, much punk. A classic for the NWO watch series. And also Fuck the King. Keep the encounters rare and fresh, my dudes. Rare and fresh. Well, thank you very much, Boobery. Yes, and he sent me something on NAS, too, which I don't know if he wanted me to play, but I'll play it By anyway. the way, you got to turn off your uh, No Agenda Social uh, alert blip. So that's what he sent me. I'm not sure the context is. Mine is always muted. I think he's referring to you. Yes, he's very likely referring to me, <laughs> but in a, rare, in a rare case of me not being a dumbass, I actually did make sure that all the tabs were muted ahead of time today. So in addition to, uh, to Boobs' donation, I was talking to him on the side. And he mentioned to me the reason he's watching all this anime is because he has this 100 anime bucket list that he's going through with his uh, his uh, keeper over there. And they're just going down the list. And so I said, oh, send me the list. I'll tell you what what's good on it and what's bad. So I put it in my notes for you to see. Uh, did you get a chance to see what that is? Yes, I do see. I do see them. And there so are some there are some things that I definitely would recommend that's on this list. Well, there's some dogs obviously, on here, too. Obviously, I mean, Kill la Kill. Yeah. Uh, and Cowboy Bebop. That's another great one. Psycho Pass. I'm looking at this, and I see, like, Yu-Gi-Oh! is, I guess, a top 100. It's, it's If you had a 100 anime to watch, I'm not sure Yu-Gi-Oh! would make the list. I mean, some of these would make no, my Yu -Oh! list. No, Yu-Gi-Oh! would know? not make my list. So they, And, in fact, this list isn't even complete. There's, there's some of it that's cut off, or is that just my computer? That's just... That's just my computer. Okay, now to, I'm seeing the whole thing. You have to open the image. Yeah, I maximized. Tab. I maximized the browser, and now I can see everything. Yeah, so there's some of these, it's like Monica. Seven Magic Deadly good, Sins yeah. wasn't too bad, but I ended up I ended up dropping it eventually because it's just it got way too shonen. I yeah. mean, it was obvious it was going to be the art style itself is like a total ripoff of of the art from. Uh, what's his name? Akira Toriyama, the guy who did yeah, the guy Ball. who did uh, Dragon Ball and Chrono. Yeah, and Chrono like the character Trigger. designs are like so Dragon Ball it hurts, despite so. being like a fantasy a fantasy series. So I was thinking we should go down this list and we should rapid fire. Start at the top. We'll go down the whole thing and uh, for one hundred the rapid fire one hundred rare encounter anime review, and we'll either give it a thumbs up, thumbs down, uh, or. I don't know. Do we have something more? Maybe we'll give it a, a buzz or a yay <laughs> uh, uh, for okay. every single thing uh, on here. I'll start. Yeah, I'll start. A Silent Voice. I don't. Know. I haven't uh, seen the film. It's not I notable. Have, uh, I've read the. I've read the manga. It's good. It's good. Even if it's not notable, it's good. Not notable. One Punch Man. Yay. That's good. Helsing. Uh, I thought it was lame. Yu-Gi-Oh. Uh, lame. Durarara. Lame. Also boring. Uh, Melancholy Party. Susamiya was actually pretty. That's good. That's definitely yes. Uh, Dororo. I didn't. I don't know what that one is. I don't know that I'm one gonna give, no, It's not notable. I don't know what it is. Uh, Toradora, I always thought was Yay. pretty good. Uh, if you want to go and watch an older anime, I, I think that captures that era, you know, like if, the if, you, if you're era. If you're hot for, yeah, if you're hot for Sundras, it's one to watch because yep. it has the Sundra voice actress yeah. in the in the Japanese. Yeah, yeah, uh, what's your name? Yeah. Um, oh, I can't remember, but, but yeah, she did like, she was like in all those shows where you had like, 
asunder, asunder a girl as like the as like the deuteronomist. Yeah, um, Fate Zero. I mean, I never liked that one. I'm a big fan of the Fate series uh, up until Fate Zero. Um, but Fate to me was always the. It's what was written by Kanoko Nasu, the original. You know, the guy who wrote the visual novels and Tsukihime and everything. Fate Zero yeah. was written by another author that I like, which is the guy from Nitro Plus. What's his name? The Butcher. Um, but Uro Butcher. Uro yeah. Butcher. Yeah. And I. I like his work, but I didn't like Fate Zero. I couldn't even... It just didn't strike me the right way. But Monica Magica, funny, they're, they're right next to yeah, each other. Yeah, speaking of her, a butcher. He also wrote the... That Super is, that is a definite... Yes, that is a must-watch. Yeah, so we'll give that one a yay. That's definitely up there. Blue Exorcist, I couldn't care for. Um, Evangelion. Neon Genesis, Evangelion. Watch the original, skip the remake. Yeah, don't don't be like Bemrose and watch the remake from <laughs> shitty movies. Yay! Uh, wait a minute, that's a no. Uh, One Piece, holy shit, I would never wish that on someone. Uh, Trigun, mm, I don't know, what do you It was good, I Trigun? enjoyed it. You think that's classic? Yeah, yeah I enjoyed it. Let's give it a yay. It's a classic, yeah, it's okay. definitely a classic. The Monogatari series, how can you put that up? Isn't that still running? Hey, even if it's still running, you can still you can still have it on your bucket list. I, it just means that as more comes on, you just got to make sure you don't die until it's all complete, right? It, and this brings me to my first complaint about this stupid list is because the Monogatari series is like, what, four animes and at least one movie. It might be multiple movies. And they lump it all in it, one it's tile. multiple movies at this point. But they didn't, but they wrote Fate Zero. They didn't. Why don't you just put, like, Fate Universe on there and say, yeah, you have to read all the VNs and the, all the side stories and... Fate Zero, Fate Zero probably because it has... It probably because it has a different uh, creator than... Uh, I don't know. ...than the rest, right? I, I, I could expect... I could expect to see... What was the one that I was watching again, thanks to Dvorak? Oh, uh, I could see that having its own separate title. <laughs> yeah, Prisma Ilya. That would have its own separate tile here. All right, so add uh, Prisma Ilya to your 100 anime bucket list. Uh, no, don't do that. Um, no, don't do that. What don't are we do at? Code Geass? Don't, don't make the same mistake I did. I, now, Code Geass was <clears throat> famously a train wreck, but that that's a good bad anime. That one was so fucking bad that you couldn't look away. Uh, so season, bad it's good, you're saying. It's like season one was, it, it had those chess games where they keep playing chess, but no, they keep breaking all the rules of chess. You know, it, none of the plot makes it, sense. It was, it was, it was great. Man, it was, it was, it was retarded. And even the, even the girls character designs weren't all that great. Yeah. Well, it was, it's, it's a hard pass from me. Clamped it. Okay. Well, we'll give it a, yay. well, we'll give it a buzz. I'm sorry. Not a yay. Uh, Clamp did the design. By the way, you missed a comic of Hill. Uh, what's the verdict? Never saw it. Okay. Um, Mononoke Hime. Princess Mononoke. That one is definitely a, yeah, Yay. that's a good Ghibli movie. FLCL. Wow, this is taking a whole lot longer Uliculi, than we thought. The original, great. The, the sequel, skip it. Yeah, okay. Hunter x Hunter. No, I think we can't do, I think we should do one or two more because uh, this is taking way longer than I thought it was going to be. Um, I already mentioned Seven Deadly Sins. That's a pass. That's a pass. Okay. Um, the one on here that sticks out to me is Card Captor Sakura. I always liked that one. Back when it was on TV, I used to watch it, and I I got a hold of a cup, just like what is it, the first Blu-ray? It's like the first couple episodes. And I was like, I was like that, but for but for Inuyasha, I watched I watched the dubbed anime on YTV back in the day. Oh well. I think that's uh, all we can fit in this little segment. Then we only hit, I think, what, 20 or something? Uh, there's still a whole lot more that we can't talk about because uh, we just... Can't. Lane, of course, got to watch that. Paprika. I mean, Elf and Light, if you're going to do that, is it? Okay, i got to close the window before we can Ghost in the on. Shell, obviously have to watch that. Ah, uh, well. So Attack on Titan, that's now yeah. a skip. But it, it went stupid. All right, I closed the, the window. So Boobs and, and Lavish right. have been doing behind the schemes. Uh, they've been recording and... Uh, uh, I don't know they got their episode 62 www out you can go check that out at what is it now um i just realized i was the one who who coined this but it was bad radio.live and i i thought it was funny when they called themselves bad radio I said, yeah because they are and then i realized that they were taking a clip of me <laughs> calling a bad radio I, I forgot about i forgot about that one nice uh, no behind the schemes solid as ever uh we've got ryan bembrose our special guest host from last... Angry Tech News! Angry Tech News had episode two out last I yeah. looked. I, I don't think he does three until later this week. It seems to come out on Fridays or Saturdays? It's in the schedule as a Friday show. 
And so indeed, this is where you get your Bemrose Bemrants. A uh, very solid show, and uh, he carries it as a solo cast very well. So they, uh, it's, there you go. It's pretty short, though. I, I could use I could use more Bemrants. <laughs> I could always use more Bemrants. Honestly, I, I'm a fan of uh, brevity. Uh, it's like. There are some podcasts, including some other anime podcasts that we know of uh, in the Fediverse, who would literally list, every, they make a show where they're just listing anime from top to bottom. And, uh, you know, every show in a season, yay or nay, I don't know. I, I couldn't put up with so, that. So we, should, so we should be we should be happy that Sir Gene is not an anime watcher. <laughs> yeah, because he could go on for hours. You could do an eight-hour show on some of this shit. Uh, well. Yeah, and then, then I'd really need this. Uh-oh, what's that? That is a cider, of course. A cider? What else would it be? Mm. Yes, it is a... Let me pull it out of the sleeve. Brickwork Cider House. Raspberry Peach Premium Craft Cider. Yeah. Raspberry Peach, huh? I don't think I've ever had a raspberry yeah. Let's anything. Let's see what it tastes cider. like. Not and bad. The verdict is that is a... Yay. On the Raspberry Peach Cider. Indeed, uh, I've got uh, I've got a coffee I've been drinking from the beginning, but it's in a regular mug, so so there's nothing to uh, to pop. Mm. Well, I I had to definitely bring the cider. I mean, I mean, like that's my thing, right? Yeah. That I do. Yeah. Uh, let's see. And Hawks. and Sir Bemrose, he did a, he did a good job last week covering for me by bringing in the cider. Oh yeah, we gotta have a little cider on the show, you know. If you don't have something. Uh, little different on here than you're not getting your money's worth the funnest part about doing that show was we were trying to do a bit where we we're going to pretend that you didn't exist and he was always just the co-host and i don't think we really pulled it off we're not good enough actors but no that was a lot of fun uh trying to do it at least it was a really good show i i enjoyed listening to it i mean like i i messaged you when you're like so how was it with like please don't replace me with bemrose that's <laughs> no that's not gonna happen there's a stomp. There's a I know stomp. you stomped that. Yeah, yeah. Well, we get some... Uh, well, before... Let's close out the podcast little segment we like to do. Hogstory had their episode 218, Should Wipe. And apparently, they're doing video yes, now? Yes, Should Always Wipe. I, I suppose it's the Nick um, Brad influence. It, they might. They might. Um, I think it was mostly just mostly just Fletcher trying something out last night, mm. which was pretty cool because seeing him, like running the music and doing all this stuff with his equipment, that was uh, pretty decent. And I'm glad it was with his recording equipment, not with his physical equipment. <laughs> yeah. Well, we should... I, I need to do some research on... Um, with Brian of London, you know, Sir Brian of London, he's working on some stuff with 3Speak TV, and the developer is there to set up a way to have video podcasts that have um, value tags built in. Lightning-enabled video podcasts um, through his platform, 3Speak TV. And I know there's also No Agenda Tube, which is run by, was that Alex Gates, if I remember right? Is... No Agenda Tube isn't the same sort of thing. No yeah, Agenda Tube is like that federated YouTube thing. Yeah. Just an instance of that. The, um, the idea would be that you could run your video podcast instead of through something like Twitch. You could run it through, um, you know, 3Speak and have... A lightning value tag built in, so I know we'll see if that'd that, be good that for Nick the Rat. Yeah, and speaking of Nick the Rat, he was on I the last he, last episode of Hog Story. It was what two seventeen. Yeah, he was on. He was on. Yeah, two seventeen on Thursday. Uh, that's that funny. was pretty cool. He's a little bit of a hero of mine. He's he put together the the long form late night podcast, and and he had a call in line, and for some reason that was very impressive to me. I I wasn't sure how to. He has up. a call in line. Well, back. A lot of people do now, but back then he he was the first one who had this uh, on a podcast that I had ever heard. Where he's really it's a well, live show. Well, because he's the Art Bell of podcasts, he had to have a call in line. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I was listening to uh, to his show again too. Uh, just sitting in my car uh, the other day, I was just I had it on and I pulled into where it was going. I said, you know what? I'm just going to listen a little more. It's one of those kinds of shows. So, yeah, there's uh, your little podcast rundown, yep. and I think we get some news for today. You, you want to kick yeah, us off? Um, well, yeah, first, sure. I can definitely kick us off. Well, actually, uh, first thing, so, I completely forgot my cue, which was that it's now sunset <gasps> in uh, El Ellicott City, Maryland, as of uh, five minutes ago. I missed my cue. But it is not yet sunset uh, in Cortez. Yes, it's three minutes away. Yes, and so right now, the, uh, what's it called, the Terminator, the Terminator line is flying across North America. 
Uh, the Terminator. And in, and it it's already past me, and in, in about five minutes, it's going to hit a cold ass, and then it'll be sunset sunset on the Rare Encounter stream. But right now, I think we're in what we should call the Twilight Zone. Okay, that is... Moving on. <laughs> hit, yeah. me, hit me All right, you want me to zone. drop my... You... Yeah. You want me to drop my news? Yeah, what do you got? All right. So as as in my uh, as in my opening, uh, some news out of Brookhaven National Laboratory. Okay, they have been able to produce matter from pure energy. Uh oh. Now we've been able to produce energy from matter for a good long time. I mean, I mean that's generally what you do to get energy. Generally, like, mm. you convert matter into energy, like, okay. through, through like, nuclear processes. And in this case, they have, they have demonstrated that you can do the opposite, which, which has always been uh, theoretically possible. But now they've actually performed an experiment where they were able to detect the creation of matter from energy. Okay. And in this case, in this case, what they were doing was shooting gold ions past each other really close. And what would happen is photon, the field of photons that were around these gold ions would interact in such a way that they would create an electron-positron pair. So they weren't just generating matter, they were also generating antimatter. Uh, okay, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Yes, this was at the this is at the relativistic heavy ion collider. And so, when it comes to particle physics Brookhaven. stories, I always have to push back on these and point out: haven't we been generating muons in collisions in particle accelerators for decades and decades? And uh, if I collide, um, essentially uh, two particles yeah, which have some fixed mass, the resulting particle, a muon, has more mass than an electron. So, isn't that a case where we've what we've done is taken some energy from the collision and turned it into matter and then observed it. So have we been doing this for years? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Well, let me what was causing the creation of the muons, though? It was probably other matter. In this case, in this case, the gold ions themselves, the matter, weren't interacting, but photons coming along for the ride were interacting, and that was causing the generation okay. of the electron and positron. So that's a bit that's a bit different than when you have matter interacting to generate muons. So what you're saying is that in the Fermi diagram, it's a photon-photon interaction that's creating an electron-positron pair. Okay, sure. That is something that I yeah. I I don't have enough background to know if it's to say for sure, in my experience, I don't know if it's ever been done before or not. If they say it's never been done before, I'm inclined to believe them. But, okay, oh, that's, that's a little different I'm than I was thinking. That's what I'm off of the article that they published about it. Oh, I see the, the... The news release, really. I see the post now. We can post this in No Agenda uh, chat, too. Let me do that. Uh, just because we're also streaming, Alrighty. in case you didn't know, uh, we're also streaming on the No Agenda stream. Oh, I do know. Yeah. Hi, No Agenda listeners! <laughs> you get to sit... And enjoy uh, our conversation every uh, Wednesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. And we do a show for about an hour. Uh, you can check us out at rareencounter.net. Uh, we have a, our own chat room, though you can chat in the No Agenda chat room. But we also have the Rare Encounter room on the same server. And uh, you can come and troll along with us there. Or uh, I guess I'll be checking the No Agenda room, too. Uh, great. Two things I need to do. Technically, now. they're called channels, not rooms. Yeah, whatever. The story is interesting, though, this making matter from light. I don't know. I'm going to have to take a, a better look at this, but I like their um, this photograph of the detector. Whenever I see something that I look at it and it just looks like it's a kludge of wires and stuff, but they're all routed in a nice way. It's, oh, yeah. Someone knew what they were doing that day. Yeah, like, I love wiring porn myself. Even just this, like you can see all these hoses, which I don't know what they're carrying maybe it's uh liquid helium i'm just guessing liquid helium for the superconductor uh cooling uh, but it, maybe it, it's just power for the electromagnets they're all just uh yeah i guess they could be giant power cords they're uh they're all just routed perfectly they have nice loops inside them i'm looking at the trays they're organized by color you know there's no, none of this hokey crap and uh it's very yeah hard it's to get nothing like it's that. nothing like the inside of my computer it is it is very difficult 
it takes a, a shitload of discipline to do something like that at that scale. So um, I'm always impressed when I see it. Yep. It is pretty cool. Hmm. All right. So what do we got for, is this that you wrap got, up our... You got some news too to bring in. Um, well, I was watching some baseball games um, and I brought this up on last episode, but you weren't here. I was talking about it with Bemrose. Uh, NFL is now shilling not only uh, crypto stuff, they're shilling betting apps and things. And I, I guess they've been doing this for a while, but it never bothered me before. Maybe I'm sensitive to it this year. But I never noticed how much organized sports has been leaning into basically getting their pl- fans to play the lottery. They're basically selling lottery tickets to the fans and uh, say, oh, it's making things sound like a game of skill. I'm sure there's some skill involved in um, inside these betting apps. But you have to go back to the basic idea that the only reason the app exists is because it's profitable, which means it can never be fair. You're always going to lose a little bit. Um, the house is always going to win no matter what. And when I see NFTs, now NFTs being sold is one thing. I'm not sure how I feel about that. Then we have Tom Brady doing a commercial shilling a crypto speculation company, which as far as I can tell, it's just, it's not about investing in crypto or it's not, it's not about uh, the technology of crypto or trying to, you know, get lightning payments or or lightning accounting software, any, any of the, the useful things that I could think of that might be worth putting some money into. It's not about that. It's about speculative trading uh cryptocurrencies shit coins i say i don't know how i feel about that it's it's just gambling you're just advertising gambling to everyone it, it, on tv it's, now well which is fine i mean it, it's pretty dumb it's, I'll, I'll admit it's legal but it's not highbrow i mean let's be honest about what you're doing is you're saying hey i wonder if we can trick these people into giving us some money by playing a game they're not going to win that's really what it's, cer- it's certainly not certainly not a trip to the back right table that's for sure yeah oh well that was my my sports experience. Though though I will say that the uh, the Buccaneers did win their first game, and that was fun. And the Ravens lost their first game, which was bad because they're the home team here. But whatever. That's sports ball, I take it. That is sports ball. Um, I've been digging into right. hot dog vendor YouTube. You ever been to what? hot hot dog vendor YouTube? No. How how do those how 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 do those go together? I mean, I get hot dog vendors because I mean. There's pl- there's plenty of street meat shacks all through Toronto, yeah, or at least through downtown. And I know what YouTube is, but this is a community of the hot dog vending community on YouTube, and it's all about the independent business owners who own their own hot dog carts, tell- talking about their tips and tricks. There's guys who have subscription channels; they do live streams where they say, and it's like a guy out in the woods. He's, he's you know, <laughs> he's got a campfire going. He's got his hot dog cart parked he's apparently he's homeless because he lives in a tent or something and works in a hot dog stand uh that he that he carts into town but he's doing his live stream yeah we're gonna answer questions about how to get those those sweet spots in front of lowe's and home depot and uh he's talking about the local regulations and how to get the better uh how to get more attention to your stand it's like this whole thing it's like a hustle uh kind of thing of of um you know that, that community. I didn't even know there was a hot dog vending community, but apparently they all talk to each you're other. Gonna, you're gonna have to. You're gonna have to provide some links on this. Oh, well, you're gonna have to provide links on this for sure. I was. But not, nothing's clippable because the sound is terrible. Because uh, no, hot- nothing has to be clippable. But but I need to see some of this. So yeah, so I'll get, I'll provide some provide some links. I'm, I'll throw the links in the show notes as well. Just so just so that we can see that this is for real and not just like some sort of internet delusion you're having. Oh no. Oh well. Well, okay, let's move on then cuz you don't believe me. What do you have? Uh I was actually wondering if you were going to bring up the Epic Games and Apple thing. No, I don't care about that one. Why? What's going on with Epic no, Games and Apple? No, really? I I, I mean <laughs> That's I, your topic. I'm interested in it. That's your topic. I know, but it was in your notes. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. So, yeah, it's I guess it's a it's a pretty decent middle of the road decision out of out of the judge. Apple is not a monopolist, but at the same time, they can't force people into using their in-app purchases through the Apple App Store. So, can we do a background uh, on app this? Developers are able to do whatever they want for in-app purchases instead of having to always give Apple like their pound of flesh. We we brought this story, or you brought this story to the show. I think uh, maybe a year ago. Um, what's the what was the original case about? So the the case was all about like Apple saying, "No, you can't you can't 
do any sort of in-app purchases except through the app store and you have to give us you have to give us a fat cut of it every time and so why is epic care uh because epic as a game developer as well as running their own games app store they don't want to give they don't want to give that cut to apple of course i i thought this was about fortnite and in-app purchases where Yes, it is. They wanted it, to be able to sell stuff, you know, directly to people. Yes, they their wanted store. to be able to sell stuff through their own service instead of having to do their in-app purchases through the Apple App Store. Right. And if I remember right, then Apple had sent them a nasty gram saying uh, you're going to be kicked out of the store if you don't give us 30 percent of everything you sell uh, on any. IPhone. And Apple followed through with that, which is why the lawsuit happened. Yep. So, so not- this is this is one of the two epic lawsuits. The other the other is the one with Google, and that's where you've got things like Google's evil plan to like bribe developers to not put their stuff in the Epic Store and bribing device manufacturers and mobile providers to only to only support the Google Play Store, that sort of stuff. So that I think actually google is probably the bigger fish to fry in this rather than apple Mm -hmm. but uh but yeah i mean it looks like epic won at least the main thing that they were looking for but on the other hand they did not get they did not get the declaration that apple was being a monopolist out of this the the judge said that Given the trial record, the court cannot ultimately conclude that Apple is a monopolist under either federal or state antitrust laws. Hmm. Also, that success is not illegal. Oh, God forbid if success was illegal. Where would we Well, be? you know, the, the <laughs> Wokies are trying to make it that way. Yeah. Oh, well, this should be... It's, it's marginally interesting to me, um, but since I don't care about Fortnite and I don't use Apple products, it's... It's kind of in the periphery for uh, for my interests, so. Sure, but it's still it's still very interesting to see like when these eight hundred pound gorillas decide to start throwing their weight around at each other. Yeah. Well, what else do we got here? Um, so yeah, in the in the end, in the end, App, Apple gets to keep being the only app store on the on their platform, but on the other hand developers don't need to go through them to do in-app purchases anymore Hmm. so epic didn't get everything it wanted but at least they won't have to pay the apple tax for in-app purchases anymore yep and so i guess that's uh, an era that sunsetted on uh the apple store but speaking of sunsets we also had our sunset in cortese is now nighttime yes we had that 11 minutes ago yeah but we keep missing the cues here (laughs) i need to set a timer that we're, we're good for that I should set a timer that beeps or plays a clip and interrupts us. Yeah, we should do that. Beep. I need a piece Beep. of software to do that, Beep. man. Yeah, I was digging into uh, digging into software dev again. Um, I did some web dev, and I finally got my butt on the uh, out of the chair. Actually, I got it in the chair <laughs> and uh, made a little Python script to help produce the show. I always complain about that at the end. Uh, finally, so we'll we'll see how this goes. Uh, I got a I got a script to do all the tagging for me. <laughs> It's so that'll take 10 minutes and a, and a bunch of human error out of the production but i've been digging this stuff. until you find until you find the bugs that are making it not work yeah i'm gonna have to run it and i i think i already found one bug in there we'll see what happens uh, i'm gonna make it open source i'm gonna make this open source i already have a rare encounter tools uh github on my able kirby uh, github page so maybe i can cool I, i'll show that when it's uh when it's debugged a little more but you can, I'll have to go star the repository. Yeah, you can you can get all of the tools, including the Stomper tool, which is a Lua script that I use in Reaper to uh, to do your own stomps, just the way we do it on Rare Encounter. Very cool, very cool. Yeah. Up next, we still need the the Stomp to Chapter Generator, which I keep making a bunch of outlines of how that's going to work, and then I keep throwing them away and trying again. <laughs> Someday I'll get that one done, too. Yeah, <sighs> and I guess I'll need to get a couple of pedals. Yep. Ah, ah. Well, well, we had a uh, little update on my uh, my career. <laughs> I 
I went down and... Yeah, hit me with that news. Well, I was just going through uh, Indeed.com is what I've been testing the waters of to see what I'm getting, and I'm getting a couple bites. Uh, it's the only one of these sites I've ever gotten anything out of, though I've never... I'm trying to think if I ever got one job out of an internet uh, job search. It, uh, hiring is broken. Just the whole... Now, it's possible... Don't misinterpret. It's possible to hire people. But the whole system that we have now of hiring technical people, hiring engineers or hiring programmers, it's just messed up. There's no way for, for someone who might be the right person for your team to get in touch with someone who might understand they're the right person for the team. You have to go through all these layers of bureaucracy and you get filtered by algorithms. And so you end up with candidates that are good at um, getting through the, the filters not candidates that are good at the actual job uh, that they're applying for. So it, this was a problem in my past couple of jobs. You know, we were always trying to hire and I would see it from one side, you know, the company trying to get, find people who are worth anything um, or aren't just bullshitting on their resume and, you know, and, and figure out who do we, who do you really want to hire? Who's going to be good for your team? Well, that's, I, I think terrible. I think and then on Carolyn the other side, Blaney nailed it in the chat. It's HR's fault. Yeah, it's, I think it is. I mean, HR used to be a compliance organization. They're, they're really, still is. Well, wait a minute. They used to be a compliance organization in that they would make sure that you um, uphold all the federal laws you're supposed to have and that retention, uh, that records are kept in the right way and so on and so forth. And then they got into things that aren't regulated, like uh, exactly how much can you, can I, can the manager just give a raise to someone or can they give a good performance review to someone or can they just do what they want with their team and say, yeah, this is the best way to structure it. No, they won't let them do that because it's gotta be, uh, all controlled by HR. Every, everything you want to do has to go through them now. And they don't let the people who are maybe even experts in the field and experts in hiring, uh, you know, engineers are also engineers themselves. who have been doing it for their entire career. Well, they're the ones who should be doing that work, not someone sitting in an office in another building uh, using an Indeed.com app and doing a search on LinkedIn because they're a social media expert. You know, it's like, I don't know. It's it's very frustrating, especially because I know there's jobs out there, teams I that I would love to work on and that I'm completely qualified to work on. And it's it's just so hard to get in touch with anyone. Instead, I get emails the from HR Comcast department. Cable, you know, and... You know what it is? The HR department exists to perpetuate the HR department. Yeah, it's one of those things, huh? Very irritating. Yeah, that's bureaucracy for you. Whether it's it's in public or private, right? When you get these sort of bureaucracies established, they don't exist for the good of the organization. They exist for the good of themselves. Well, I'm I'm doing some some independent work, though, so I got a sound design gig, which is cool finally getting some income yeah, after cool. after having only outcome for a while so i'm now responsible for uh two beep sounds on a, on a game project so there you go yeah. cool it's oh yeah as, as sir bemrose points out as sir bemrose points out i pretty much just restated pornell's ironclawed law of bureaucracy yeah yeah well that's my uh my personal update there baltimore has been i don't know it's just chugs along Nothing bad's happened here, so I haven't seen any houses explode. Um, though I did have a furnace lately. Problem. Yeah, lately. Yeah, cross my knock on wood. I did have a uh, a bird in my furnace. I think it might still be there. We're not sure. Alive? Well, I heard some rustling in there, and so I put a towel. The the background is that they do this stupid thing on this property, this apartment that I lease, where they lock off the furnace in a locked room, so the dumb residents can't. You know, I don't know hurt themselves but what that means is that if there's a gas leak you can't turn it off uh if there's a problem if they if you want to change the filter in your furnace you have to get someone else to do that uh you can't just buy one and put one in and so they'll only change it on their schedule which is bullshit um so it's dirty and it also means it's full of spiders and it also means that if a bird gets in there you can't figure out if it's alive or dead without getting some guy to come in and open the cabinet for you so that's what we did today schrodinger's bird yeah so I heard it bouncing around. There was something in there, but it either somehow got the fly back out. I don't know how it got in in the first place, but it either found a way to, fl- or maybe crawl out. It could have been a mouse. Um, or it died in there and we just couldn't find it. So we'll see if over the next couple of days, I start smelling something every time the AC comes on. 
that'll let me know it's really going. I hope it got. I hope it got out alive. Yeah, for it's, the sake of your nose. It it was. It was starting to smell pretty bad, and then I couldn't tell if it was the furnace or not, so I had, like, the the window open. I ran the furnace uh, heat on because it was kind of hot for a while, or I'm sorry, it was kind of cold for a while. And then after that, it didn't smell bad anymore, so then I'm, I'm like, I don't know. Maybe it just flew out. I burned something off, or maybe I cooked it. Maybe. Yeah, we'll see. Well, I'll just warn you, if you did cook it, small birds aren't much for eating. No, no. All right, what do we got on? Uh... Same with chipmunks. No. What do we got on your side? You got anything? Oh yeah, I got a few things. Yeah. So, uh, insert insert book review jingle here since we don't have one. Oh, uh, we got. Uh, Who are you gonna call? You're gonna have to ruin the having the your emotional corporatist crap. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's not exactly that a. I don't know either. All right, so I I put aside the Suzumiya books for a bit to read the Idea Factory which is a big, heavy, non-fiction book about the history of Bell Labs. Aha! That's a great one. Now, uh-huh. I didn't read the book, but Bell Labs, that's yeah. a great institution. Oh, yeah. It's a, it's a, it was an amazing institution. It still kind of exists as Nokia Bell Laboratories these days. And I mean, it's, it's existed in, under various names ever since the breakup of Ma Bell. But really, when that happened in the mid-80s, that was, that was essentially it. The Bell Labs that we all know of and look up to died. Yeah. That's a shame. They were just... And th- but this had been a very interesting read. It, it, it followed along with a number, of the, a number of the scientists and engineers who worked there. Uh, Mervyn Kelly, Bill Shockley, Claude Shannon, oh, yeah. John Pierce... Yeah, uh, at least one, at least two of those names, anybody in IT should recognize. Well, some of the like Shockley, those gotta, being yeah, for sure. Uh, Sh- yeah, Shockley and Shannon are the ones that anybody in IT or should recognize. Uh, Shockley, especially for anybody who's involved in electronics, they should definitely recognize him because this was the guy who. Along with two others, uh, their name their names escape me at the moment. They are the ones who invented transistors there at Bell Labs. Shockley came up with the came up with the junction transistor, and the other the other two, Bratain and I forget the the other one's name. They came up with the the first transistor, which was essentially like a piece of germanium with whiskers onto another piece of metal. Mm. Yeah. Like Cotton Gin says, these people are literal geniuses. And yeah, Claude Shannon, I mean, he's the guy who discovered information theory. Yep. And so w- when I hear and Shannon... And there's a whole bunch... There's a... The, he, he was... Yeah, when you, hear, when you hear Claude Shannon... I always think of the, um, the Shannon-Nyquist theorem as the first thing that comes to mind. And information theory is, I don't know, secondary to me i don't think about that at all but uh shannon nyquist is the theorem responsible for you know nd sampling and if you have a rate limited signal and it could be in one two three or n dimensions how do you reconstruct it and along with nyquist who's kind of famous for the nyquist rate the the nyquist shannon uh theorem uh, is is really the background for a bunch of this uh, stuff that we use all the time every day and, and in fact yeah but without in, without information I mean, that is just part of the whole overall field of information theory. But I mean, think of, think of some of the other things that were invented or discovered at Bell Labs. Statistical process control came out of there. Oh, yeah. One-time pads for encryption were, were an invention of Bell Labs. Radio astronomy came out of there as a, as a side effect of other research. Mm. Electron diffraction. Photovoltaic cells and CCDs. Microwave relays were an invention that were then leveraged to help improve long-distance calls by routing them across microwaves instead of uh, copper. Uh, transistors, as, mo- as mentioned, point contract transistors, that's what they were, the original ones. Junction transistors and MOSFETs were also invented at Bell Labs. Mm. Gas lasers were invented at Bell Labs. 
a communication satellite. The first one, I believe it was called Echo, and it was a it was an inflated weather balloon that they got NASA to launch up to a certain latitude or not latitude to a certain uh, altitude, mm-hmm. and they were able to bounce they were able to bounce signals off of that. Unix, C and C++, they came out of Bell Labs. And optical tweezers, so like the ability to use lasers to to grab and move things, essentially. A lot of those, you named them all so fast, I couldn't interrupt and start telling all my stories about all of them. So uh, I can't do that. But one that comes to mind is the Echo uh, story. So that was Echo 1 and Echo 2 were the first uh, communication satellites. Where the, yeah, they were just inflated conductive spheres and what they did is they they would float them over and and bounce a signal and they were supposed to go from i think it was massachusetts was it uh some some site in massachusetts and they were either going to go to england or france and i think the english messed up famously their uh the receiver on there and they were supposed to do the first video uh video communication because they already had obviously they already had transatlantic um communication for a long time before that but you couldn't get a video signal across because of the bandwidth and all that. And so the polarization they were using, uh, so the story goes, is they had a circular polarized wave they were transmitting with. And what you need to know about CP waves is that when they bounce on something, the direction that they rotate swaps. So if it's a right-handed CP wave and then it bounces off something, it turns into a left-hand CP wave. And so when you make the transmitter, uh, say it's a parabolic dish, well, you have to count uh, if, say, if there's two different, if there's a subreflector, you count the bounces. You count, oh, there's one bounce off the subreflector, that's a flip, and then the main reflector, that's a flip, and then it hits the satellite, and that's a flip. It goes down, and it uh, hits the main reflector of the receiver. And you anyway, so you you have to count up all the different flips uh, so that you know the polarization to set on the receive. And famously, they botched the first. Uh, the I think it was the English um had the they were trying to receive like think, a right hand wave with a with a left hand uh, polarized receiver and they they got the signal a little bit but no one could you know you couldn't see anything it was down 20 db and uh, the french never yeah. uh, the french continue to brag about it to this day i i think in the signal processing world that they ended up getting the first link uh because the english fucked it up but so something something that i found out as well is that the original echo never was not it was not successfully launched it something went wrong in the in the rocket section where it was and so it did not end up deploying so the first one that was actually used was the second was the second one made echo 2 echo 2 yeah and that was that that was discussed in the book yeah so the first one just there was nothing wrong with it itself but the deployment failed yeah Oh well, and the and I, I hate when and I hate when that happens when like the build passes and everything, but then something goes wrong in the deployment. Hmm. Yeah, D- just grossing a little about my own work there. <laughs> you know, as far as optical tweezers go, there's uh, been some advancements in that. With the um, they can now not just pick something up, but they can also rotate it using uh, yeah, some that's... some new beam forming that they uh, that they came up with in I think twenty. 2007 or something was the first i'm trying to remember what the damn thing is called i think it's uh waves of orbital angular momentum so i think it's called oam uh, i'd have to put it in wikipedia to get the rundown again but there's a another format that light waves can be in which was thought to exist but no one really got a hold of it until i think a university of florida um it was a university in florida and i cannot for the life of me remember who did it um shame on me they did the first experiment where they actually would make these beams with orbital angular momentum, and then they actually were able to manipulate particles by not just picking them up, by by rotating them. So you could, you know, open the uh, the nanoscale door uh, by turning the handle and pulling it back, you know, that kind of stuff. So it's a whole new yeah. world. You don't just need nails. Now you can have screws, nano screws. You know, the one one thing that actually surprised me in this book as well is finding out that Bell Labs was not actually where fiber optic uh, cables came from. Mm-hmm. The first, the first ones to produce to produce glass that worked well enough for for an optical fiber that was more than like a foot or so in length was actually Corning. 
Oh, the glass company. Yeah. Yeah, the glass company. Yeah. There are. Yeah, this was. Su- this is such a good read, and honestly, I think I think anybody who who is like inspired by stories of invention or just like just like to hear about the history of how we got all this stuff that made our modern world what it is today really should actually pick up this book, the idea factory and give it a read. Yeah. It's um, there's a lot of stories. I know that if it's just about, if it's just about bell labs, you know, there's going to be a bunch of stuff they're missing. Cause some of those things you said, like the communication satellites, okay. Bell labs did a lot, but they couldn't have done it without the Navy research labs, uh, which were, put on by Eisenhower to figure out how to do these first communication satellites, like right after Sputnik. There's a whole story there. Well, I could go on about that. Maybe I'll tell that one someday. There were, there were, there were government research labs that were actually managed and run by Bell Labs. Yeah. And to this day, that's how some of it still works. You know, there's a lot of contractors. You say, oh, the government research lab. Well, guess what they're really doing is it's really MIT, you know? Uh, or some branch or some uh, subsidiary of MIT uh, tied in with the government somehow. So there's a lot of that still goes yeah. on. We dig into it. Anyway, the ne- the next nonfiction book that I'm going to read is Dealers of Lightning. I don't know if you've heard of that one, but it's about Xerox Park. Xerox Park. No. What's that? Yeah. Palo Alto Research Center. Okay. And what are they? So that's, that'll be that'll be the next that'll be the next book that I read. Or the next, the next nonfiction book I read, I should say. Yeah, you got to get back to Harhi. By the way, happens. In I'm the going SOS to. Don't worry brigade. about that. <laughs> I've got two chapters left in the Idea Factory, and then it's going to be back to Harhi. And then after that, I'll re- after I read the next Harhi volume, then I'll read Dealers of Lightning. Just going to alternate back and forth, hmm. like uh, Willow Smith. You alternate back and forth sure where that one was going so i got a couple other things to bring up Uh, as well hit me yeah so i found i found this reading through ieee spectrum because i'm i'm actually an ieee member Mm -hmm. and i've got a subscription to spectrum as a member right as one has and there was this article in the in the latest issue about this about this cipher machine this rotor cipher machine that not many people ever really heard about and the the adventure of the author of the article to rebuild the thing because it has essentially fallen apart after decades of being like shoved in some storage lock, locker in France. Mm-hmm. So this this cipher machine is called the where's the name of it again? I have it the HX sixty three and it apparently it apparently had encryption that was even stronger than rotor machines designed by the NSA. Oh yeah. Uh, the the encryption was about approximate to a two thousand bit binary key. So your average PGP key these days would be stronger, but not by that much, right? Mm-hmm. So anyway, this was this was developed by a company called Crypto AG. It was based out of Switzerland. They sound familiar for some and reason. Light, yeah. They ended up getting becoming a joint venture between the NSA and another organization and then completely owned by the NSA and then wound down a few years ago. Hmm. But anyway, yeah, so it actually it actually took like the idea of the Enigma and moved it even more forward. And the article says it had about one, it had about 10 to the power of 600 possible key combinations. That's and cool. how it would work is actually, is actually the rotors would bounce, bounce things back. Like the Enigma, the Enigma rotors had 26 positions. The rotors of the HX63 had 41 26 for 26 for letters and another 15 internally for bouncing for bouncing sig like the signal back and forth even further mm. and the the result is like it would actually pass unlike the enigma where where it went through once and then passed back and that was it this actually 
passed it through a few times. There were mul there were multiple reinjections, as they call it, yeah. to get the actual to get the actual output. So, is which is how which is how it ended up having so many so many different positions. So they had so so many um, positions on the wheel, which had meaning, and the rest were kind of reflecting it the signal back. But is the number forty one being prime? I I have this suspicion that you keep coming into these. Like if you look at how the CDMA um, linear feedback shift stuff works, which is you know newer versions of this old technology, that it turns out that if you have you know uh, sequences of prime lengths that you're using, you end up getting better encryption than if you used you know integers or, or any integer or perfect squares would be the worst in some of these cases. If you had, if you use perfect square numbers of uh, of positions on the disk, then uh, you end up with the the easily easy to break uh, sequences, but if they, there's prime numbers of uh, of positions on the disk, it's hardest to break. You know. It's well, like the interesting thing is, I think I think it was serendipitous more than anything because really? when you when you look at it, it's twenty it's twenty six plus fifteen, right? So twenty six twenty six characters, and then another fifteen positions, and it just ended up they ended up with a with a prime number out of out of that out of the sum of two compound numbers like when you, in CDMA I think the the registers in the old phones they had like 17 bit registers and 19 bit registers and they were specifically and they did the same kind of thing where you were just shuffling the bits around every time you know doing a linear feedback shift is the same as advancing the wheels by one conceptually and the reason that they had to pick the the lengths was because it just turns out that when you make a machine like this, um, like one of these, they're called state machines, that when you have a prime number of kind of states on the wheel or, or bits in the in the register, you end up with a better encryption. And that's, I don't know, that's my whole comment on it. I, I like that the fact that's 41, and that's my suspicion is that they did that on purpose for uh, mathematical it, information theory reasons. It, it, there, there's a possibility. Anyway, the reason why nobody's really heard of this thing is because the inventor of it, who is also the founder and CEO of Crypto AG, was a friend of none other than uh, William Friedman, okay. who was the who was the head of the NSA, the first head of the NSA, and so he was able to he was able to get Hagelin to the inventor to to shut it all down. But not after a few units had already been sold to the French, who didn't really do anything with them, but but put them in some lockers and forget they existed. Mm. Meanwhile, these the secret deals not not this, but a thing called Operation Rubicon that involved the NSA and Crypto AG that actually turned out to be a huge thing. Yeah, that's why they sounded familiar, um, if it's the story I'm thinking of. This is where they had Crypto AG actually had to shut down because it turns out that they were... What were they doing? They are putting backdoors in one of their products or something like back that? Backdoors in equipment that was sold to over 100 different governments. Yeah, yeah. This was news uh, a little while ago. Or that, that's why I was thinking of their name, yeah. Yep. What's this? Yeah, and that Operation article? Rubicon. That's that's what it was. So yeah, the Forbes article that I just posted into Rare Encounter, and no. Posted into, uh, posted into the No Agenda channel as well. Yeah, it was a huge thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that was pretty interesting reading about it because the article itself is as much about the story of the of the HX sixty three as it was the author's attempt, successful, I might add, to rebuild the machine. Despite despite the broken and rotted away parts, yeah, yeah. So it it that's that's all going in the show notes, of course. Definitely an interesting read, and I believe the article itself is freely published. Even though it's in the magazine, it's also available on the Spectrum website. Hmm. Well, as and far now, uh, do you have anything else? Because I've got one last story to bring up as well, which is kind of on the odd side. Well, I had a, the only thing I was going to mention is that uh, there was some news about a uh, pretty big uh, $33 million investment in, I think it's in Lincoln, Nebraska, if I remember, of PepsiCo, 
and they're uh, working on their uh, snack factory that they're going to put in there. So they're Ooh. buying machinery. This is this falls under the category of, I suppose, potato news. Potato news from PotatoPro.com, but uh, it's really like snack food news. For some reason, we keep going on to. It's kind of a muse lately, is snack food and agriculture and uh, some other things. But uh, it's something I'm going to keep oh, my eye on. Oh, it's potato news. Yeah, it's potato news. That's the important thing. So I need to find out more about this facility and what they're going to make and what's going to go on with it. Uh, more, more to come. And that's my, that's my only potato news. So All right. Looking. Well, then I get, I get to bring up the, the idea that we might be able to revert climate change by bringing back extinct animals. Oh, the good old Jurassic Park move. Yeah. So did you did you hear about this? This no. this company that's been launched with the with the idea that they are going to restore the woolly mammoth and set it loose on the Arctic tundra. Oh boy. This is like trying yeah. to you know bring back the good old days by you know wearing last year's fashion or something like that. So the uh, well what they would be doing is not actually restoring the woolly mammoth itself. Because despite knowing most or possibly all of its uh, genes, we haven't been able to properly sequence its, D its DNA. We've only been able to analyze fragments that we found from various corpses. Because, of course, not only, not only because they've been frozen, which damages cells and splits up DNA, but all that time is even the ones that are frozen, there's been some rot setting in, which makes it even harder so their idea is they will they will take known woolly mammoth genes for things such as growing that growing that thick coat the fat stores the curving tusks and splice that into the dna of asian elephants uh -oh. and use the use these hybrids to rebuild the old the old uh sort of environment that they used to have in siberia before the forests creep to further and further towards the arctic circle and the idea is that is that the grasslands that used to be that used to be siberia would return and would be a great sink for carbon because every every year's grass growth would just be stomped into the ground by the by the mammoths and new grass would grow the next year capturing more carbon and so on and so on mm. now first of all first of all i think this sounds pretty crackpot-ish it says a little woolly woolly second, of, I guess. second of all yeah second of all this isn't the first time that we've that we've planned to bring back an extinct animal and in fact we have brought back an extinct animal in the past the I, the Pyrenean ibex, also known as the Picardo, was declared extinct in 2000. And three years later, they cloned they cloned one from frozen skin samples, and play and placed this embryo in a domestic goat as a, for the surrogate womb. Mm. The kid was born alive, and it stayed alive for seven minutes. As as this article that I, that I was reading about this says, the success was short lived. The animal only survived for seven minutes, giving it the regrettable record of being the only of being the only animal to have gone extinct twice. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. So I I I'm, I am not exactly expecting any sort of success from this, unless the plan is to actually rip off the investors, in which case. I see a bright feature for the people behind this. Ben Lamb and George Church. Okay. I don't recognize the names. Neither do I, but apparently they're the ones that have created this company, Colossal, whose plan is to bring back the woolly mammoth. And, and the reason that they're spending all their time advertising on the internet uh, instead of actually bringing back the woolly mammoth, uh, does that tell you anything? Yeah, it tells me that... Uh, where is it? I've got I've got something for this. I've got something for this. This is a scam. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. He's going extinct twice. Can you believe that? Yeah, I mean that that's gotta that's gotta really suck. I mean going extinct once sucks. 
going extinct twice? I mean, that really blows. Jeez. Well, before we go extinct, you think we got to shuttle out on out of here? Yeah. Oh, I just want to say thanks again to Booberry for making his donation, being our executive producer for tonight. And I would suggest that if you enjoy hearing this, head on over to rareencounter.net and click on the donate button. Keep us, keep us funded so that we can keep bringing you the weirdest stories out there and the nerdiest crap you could imagine. Yeah, you're going to hear some stories about electromagnetics if you keep keep this up. I don't know, maybe that'll stop them from donating, who knows. But uh we'll we'll figure we'll figure it out. We'll see what the donations say. Yeah, I restrain myself. I didn't point out that well uh that that Western Electric actually perfected the statistical process control. But it, that's a story for next time. And until then, I'm Abel Kirby. I'm Cold Acid. I'll talk to you later. Adios. I had a good woman. But she laid down, honey, and died. Oh, I had a good woman. But she laid down and died. Don't you know everybody tell me? She wasn't sad